This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. God, that reminds me of some of those Robin Hood movies back in the day when the king went across the drawbridge into the castle and all the guys came out with those big long trumpets. Uh, that is uh, quite symbolic. It is because this is a big moment for us uh, on SENZ, particularly for you cricket lovers. Uh, great news. Great news. Um, the SENZ and the Sports Entertainment Network will once again bring New Zealanders closer to their cricket heroes, the Black Caps, with the exciting announcement that the Vitality IT20 T20 series and the one-day international series between New Zealand and England will be broadcast throughout the entire SENZ network. Cricket enthusiasts across the country will have access to every ball of the T20 series and the one-day international series uh, as uh, SENZ broadcasts them live on all frequencies and the SENZ app. Sir Jeremy Coney... Adam Collins will again lead the uh, cricket commentary team, provided uh, expert ball-by-ball coverage analysis to ensure that the listeners never miss a moment of action. They'll be supported by a cast of quality as well. We can bet on that. Uh, This announcement underscores uh, SENZ's commitment to international cricket, building on the recent news, of course, that the ICC World Test Championship final and the Ashes will also be available for Kiwis across the 28-station radio network and the SCNZ app. Sam Bingley, Sports Entertainment Network CEO for New Zealand and uh, New South Wales, uh, echoes the thoughts. Uh, it's always a privilege to broadcast international cricket. Two of the world's best uh, teams facing off each other. We can expect nothing but a top-class contest, and also this is just prior to the World Cup in India. So uh, that is a very symbolic and important series for New Zealand. There are four T20 matches, Chesterla Street in Durham, Old Trafford, uh, Edge Baston and then Trent Bridge. And then, the f- or uh, really importantly, the four one-day international uh, matches will be at Sophia Gardens in Cardiff, then Southampton, the Oval and Lords finally, uh, going from the 30th of August to the 15th of September. So I think it's fair to say we're in for some a, a lot of entertainment and some pretty late nights as well. Some sleepy boys and girls when the, it comes to the morning. So that is our big news. Congratulations for uh, the boys uh, who have secured those rights. Yep, we'll be bringing New Zealand and England in England towards the end of uh, August and September. Great news. Right, 
uh, we're going to carry on the cricket three, uh, theme too because uh, yesterday is a really exciting announcement for a group of youngsters in particular and that was uh, the naming of uh, a New Zealand under-19 squad. Now this uh, squad has to go to uh, Darwin and re-qualify to play in the 2024 under-19 World Cup. Now, of course, uh, New Zealand didn't send a team because of uh, strict MIQ requirements and the fact that uh, they didn't believe it was fair on the young lads coming home and having to go through that after a, a, an arduous World Cup in South Africa. So withdrew our team last time around, which means we have to go back into the group and qualify, and we'll be doing that through the East Asia Pacific qualifying route. Now, uh, one man who's uh, very close to this side uh, had a start in picking it, but also will be an assistant coach as a former Black Cap, uh, of course, and uh, specialist coach now with New Zealand cricket, Paul Wiseman. Paul, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. Hey, that's good news. This is really, really exciting news um, because obviously you'd like a direct route into the World Cup, but uh, because of circumstances, you have to play your way back in. So that's a nice little challenge for this group. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's really exciting to have it back on the table. Obviously, as you alluded to, we we missed the last World Cup in the West Indies um, due to COVID restrictions and and a well-being um, decision, which was definitely the right one at the time. Um, and it was a real shame for that that group that missed out on going to the West Indies. This is a pretty talented uh, group of players. A number of those are playing first-class cricket now, which is fantastic. But it was an experience they missed and. It's just really nice to have this back on the table for these young fellas. And, and it, yeah, like you said, it will be a, a real challenge going to Darwin um, in June uh, to, to real heat and, and a pretty tight itinerary. So um, guys are looking forward to it. Uh, I bet they are. This is, uh, you know, for them, it's uh, the biggest moment of their cricket careers. I'm sure there was uh, 14 really happy young lads yesterday uh, when it became official. Johnny Bassett Graham is the head coach. Tell us a wee bit about Johnny. So Johnny uh, is a Pathways coach at Auckland Cricket. He's been in that place uh, and the TID um, space for for a couple of years now. Um, he's really impressed. He's worked with our New Zealand development players over the summer. Um, and this is just uh, an opportunity. You know, you don't get too many tournaments and things. And we've just got to provide as many of our young aspiring coaches uh, opportunities to come through and and coach at, at um, national levels, even though this might be age group. So he's worked with the Auckland under-19s um, and he's been part of our programs for the last year or so. Um, so it's really cool that he can come in and he, he gets pretty good support from Graham Aldridge, who's just joined us, and myself. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of faith in, in Johnny. Will, he'll do a great job. Right, OK. Uh, I think you assemble uh, today, actually, and uh, get uh, your preparations underway, Paul. Uh, just tell us uh, a wee bit of a rap about the format and who's involved here, because uh, I look at it, Japan, Vanuatu, Samoa, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Indonesia, as you say, in the space of, what, eight days, max. And I I'm just thinking to myself, um, I don't know too much about these nations at this level, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I do. I mean, you never know from cohort to cohort what the what each team's going to bring. Um, I do know. I mean, spoke to Dipak in, in the past about Papua New Guinea. Uh, he thinks they're the, one of the most talented athletic um, nations he's he's seen. So we know that they'll be dangerous. You, you just never know what you're going to come up against. 
Um, we've played Japan before in the, in the last World Cup and, and they were decent. You get expats in and, and Indonesia, but you really, really don't know. The one advantage they're going to have is they come from hot climates. Um, and, you know, we, we basically get in the day before and, and um, get one training sort of thing and then it's two days in a row, day off, two days in a row, day off, two days in a row and go home. So it's it's going to be pretty brutal and a bit of an eye-opener for these guys. Um, but, you know, if we can qualify, and you, only one team does, uh, if we can qualify, then it's fantastic. Well, either way, it's going to be a fantastic experience, but it's, it's a nice little build-up towards the World Cup in January next year. So you normally on you look at these uh, so these sides and you say, well, at that full international level, this would be a well, I won't say a cakewalk, but it should be an, a relatively easy uh, project for a New Zealand side with all our experience. But these are young men playing against young men, uh, all of whom will be making pretty much their debuts. So it's a slightly different ball game, isn't it? It really is, yeah. And we, I mean, we've got a pretty young under-19 side here. We've got a couple of 16-year-olds and a number of 17-year-olds. Um, but we, we tend to try and pick on, on sort of ceiling and, and player potential. And, and sometimes you have a cohort that is basically under-19s and, and sometimes it's a bit younger. It's just, just how it rolls. Um, so look, it's going to be a it's going to be a real eye no, like I said, and and you just don't know what's going to happen on the day. And they're young men, and and it's such a new experience for every one of them, and from every side. So um, it's going to be exciting. It is going to be exciting. Um, I would imagine when you, uh, this side was selected, when you looked at these names and their ages, etc., they'll all be available for the World Cup should we qualify uh, next year. In Sri Lanka, we know Sri Lanka is um, a tough cricket uh, country to play in, also hot. Um, also, um, over the years, has provided some very good spin bowling surfaces. Have you picked this squad with that in mind? It has got a bit of flavour to it. We've got four spinners in this in this group, which is great. We've also, I mean, other than the two keepers that we've picked, um, there's only two guys that don't bowl. So we, we felt that that's something that we needed particularly for this tournament where we're going to have to share the loads. I mean, it's it's June and we're having to get pace bowl, young pace bowlers up to speed. And um, so we're really going to have to share the load with sort of day on, day off type stuff. Um, so we feel like we've got some the, the right balance. It'll just be you know, how, how we turn up on, on each day. And, and like I said, there's only one team goes through. So there's, there's a little bit to play for. So okay, so um, logically, I was just going to ask you that. How, how, how do you, there's no playoffs or anything of that nature. You're just the, the top points ta- on the of the points table, um, and theoretically in Darwin, it won't be rain affected, which could be a bit of a hiccup. But uh, that um, that's the that's the key. Is it just qualifying uh, at the top of the table? Yeah, it's the fairest way of looking at it. If it comes down to a semi-final and a final and anything can happen on the day, you might have qualified winning winning all your games and someone else scrapes through and it doesn't go your way in the final. It's probably a bit brutal. It's At least this is, you know, whoever plays best throughout the tournament goes through. So um, some am pleased it's that for me. Paul, is, uh, every one of those names is relatively new to uh, all of us uh, listening here. Uh, mm-hmm. The name coming uh, sticks out because, of course, uh, father and brother have done uh, exceedingly well for uh, Otago and New Zealand and uh, Canterbury over the years. But um, tell us a wee bit about uh, some of these. You mentioned two, a couple of 16-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, we've got um, two 16-year-olds, a young, young um, fella, Lucky Reddy from Hamilton, who's a 
off-spinning batter, um, real talent, and and an opening batter, Tom Jones from Auckland. Um, they're, they're only 16, um, but we think they've got a pretty high ceiling. Um, Zach Cumming is a leg spinner batter. Um, he's only picked up leg spin in the last few years, but he, he does it pretty well, and he can hit a ball pretty cleanly. Um, obviously comes from good stock. And we've got a, another guy, um, Cam Paul, who's, whose father played for Canterbury and Otago as well. So um, there's some, some exciting young cricketers here, but, you know, they've, they're only very early on in the journey and, and we've just got to put as much support around them as we can and and um, keep the pathway coming through so that, you know, our black caps can keep performing to the levels they have been over the last few years. Uh, Paul, uh, while we've got you, uh, Black Caps in action uh, in Pakistan at the moment. You've uh, been pretty impressed, I would imagine, the way they fought back in that T20 series. Yeah, it was, it was incredible, actually, considering how... I mean, they, they had a little bit of um, lead-in with, with the games against Sri Lanka, but, you know, it sounds like they'd only had one training during that whole series and to come in reasonably cold over there in their conditions against the full-strength and very fine Pakistan side to bounce back like they did um, was outstanding. It's, there's times like this when you've got a lot of your players out that it, it gives opportunities to the, to the guys that are being pushing from below to, to take their chance and, and obviously a, a couple of guys and, and especially Mark Chapman's really really taken his and I'm, and I'm pleased he was able to stay on for the one day and, and perhaps push for that full cup spot. Well, that's uh, an interesting look because uh, last night, of course, uh, we made 288 for seven and uh, we fell away, B, but because I think in the 31st over, we were 202 for two, so we were looking quite good. So it didn't quite finish that innings off. Pakistan ran it down 291 for five. Um, runs for Will Young and uh, Daryl Mitchell last night. Yeah, I saw those two bat and then um, fell asleep, unfortunately. Uh, and it was lo- it was looking pretty good there. It looked like it needed to be a, a 300 plus wicket at the time, especially I think. Uh, and I haven't seen much of the batting innings for Pakistan, but by all accounts, when the night falls and the dew comes down a little bit, it comes on a bit nicer. So obviously, Pakistan won the toss and decided they'd, they'd chase um, pretty high scoring ground, I think, in, in T20. So it, it looked a little light when I when I saw the the half time score. Um, it looked like we just didn't quite kick on post those two at the front, but up front those two better beautifully. And in terms of our bowling over there, um, as you say, opportunities are um, coming around for players um, because of IPL commitments, etc. Happy with the development of the bowlers? Yeah, look, they just need time and exposure in, at, at this level. It's it's a big jump from first class cricket and, and from A cricket. Um, and, and we've got some really fine um, prospects there. They ju- they just need time in the saddle, and it's actually a series like these that are they're actually ideal for for us. I know it's you know you want to win every game as a, as a black caps side, but the the nature of cricket these days and and the commercial side and the money side of things and us sort of you know giving giving our our best players the opportunity to go and earn good money that we aren't able to give them here in New Zealand compared to other nations. You know, it, it, it actually, I, I look at it as an opportunity for, for growing our depth and, you know, you, you get an injury to a key player like Kane Williamson, well, you know, it's it's chances like this that that um, can grow that depth and, and um, I think it's just a fantastic opportunity for these guys and for, for the coaches as well to, to see these guys. 
Well, coincidentally, that's my next question. Uh, what are we going to do at the top of the order? Um, and, you know, from the outside looking in, um, I'm not sure if you have too much in, um, input into this at this point, but um, we had a lot of texts and uh, a lot of messages in to say, where are, what are we going to do at number three? Who are the candidates in, in, in your thinking? Well, it, it depends a lot on what they want to do with, with Devon. Um, there's a bit of chat around, um, from what I understand, a bit of chat around about perhaps him sliding in at three, but I'm not privy to those conversations, I haven't been. So, um, you know, he, he could perhaps do that. Well, Young's putting his hand up. He's got a pretty good record for a short short time in the game in the, in the one-day format. He averages probably close to 60 after last night. Um, and, you know, the likes of... Chapman, that might be a little bit high, but I, I think they will stick with Finn Allen opening, um, and and then it'll just be around what do they do in that that other opening spot if if Kane is to to slide down. Opportunity, obviously, for the likes of Chad Bowes and and so forth to put their hands up to Glenn Phillips. I'm probably not answering you or helping you out too much here, mate, but I don't have the information from the chat. <laughs> no, you're dodging it quite nicely, you know. But the the, the reality is. Um, the, the, the worry for me is um, that I appreciate the point you're making about um, our, our guys getting um, more money um, that, that uh, New Zealand cricket uh, can't provide them with, so it's an opportunity to build for their futures financially, etc. But it would be nice if they're all playing cricket and a number of our IPL candidates are not getting a lot at quite a crucial stage prior to this World Cup. 100% agree. It's a real shame seeing guys sitting on the sideline where you know they could be playing international cricket, and I'm sure, I'm sure they're struggling with it from from that perspective. Um, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if there is an answer to it in the future. Obviously, you want guys playing cricket, and you want guys staying in our game and, and playing for the Black Caps. And it's a real balance act. Yet I don't think we've quite nailed it, but. Um, uh, you know, these guys will, will come in into that English English series that you've just announced. Um, it's fantastic for SNZ to have that on the radio. Um, th- those guys will come into that and they'll have some build-up, but, yeah, it would, would be nice to see them playing cricket. Just finally, the spin-bowling aspect of the World Cup, I think it's going to be huge. Um, if you look at it um, tactically, uh, Paul, I just wonder, do we take attacking spin bowlers? Do we look to get wicket or do we look to contain or uh, do we get a mixture of both? Because uh, I, I just wonder from what our, what our theory is at times when it comes to white ball cricket with our spinners. Yeah, I think, look, I, I, th- I think we've got a mix of that anyway. Um, you've, you've got issues who's more on that attacking side um, and then you've got Mitch is probably more on the defensive side, but if you, you get him in, in Asian conditions and India in particular in recent times, you, you look at the respect that the batting sides of India hold him in, and it's just how you go about using him. Um, I think you know maybe maybe he we know he can do a job at going at falls or something like that in the middle, but can he bowl in different stages? Can he bowl up front and put pressure on? Can he bowl? In the, in the last 10 as well, um, where guys are actually trying to attack him because I think when guys are trying to attack him, he then does take wickets. and it's um, So maybe it's the use of someone like Mitch. I think he's in the form of his life at the moment with bat, ball, and in the field. Um, so, you know, there are your two lock-ins. Oh, yeah, probably lock-ins. And then, and then you've got a couple of others that are, um, you know, more your part-time 
options there as well. Paul Wiseman, always good to catch up. Uh, thanks very much for your time this morning. Good luck with this, um, this camp this weekend and, of course, going forward to uh, Darwin. Really exciting time for these young kids and um, um, uh, let's wish them all the best. Uh, I know they probably go on with a favourites tag uh, on their forehead, but that doesn't uh, account for a lot at, uh, at that age. Cheers, man. Thank you. Um, all the very best. No problem. Thanks, Lee. Cheers. Uh, Paul Wiseman there, uh, of course, um, uh, high-performance coach and specialist in, in spin bowling area, really, uh, responsible for the development of uh, spinners and the ongoing development for, uh, from uh, the age of 16 up towards uh, the age of the Mitchell Santners, the East Sodies, uh, the Ajaz Patels, uh, still involved with uh, developing their craft. Uh, so that's good news. Uh, yep, that tournament is uh, in Darwin. And uh, it starts, uh, as I said, on Monday the 12th of June, so not that far away. And uh, it finishes on Monday the 19th of June, and in the process of that, we're going to play six games of cricket. My goodness me. 9.23. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, just uh, recounting uh, what happened last night in the cricket. 288 for seven. Uh, that's uh, after Pakistan asked us to bat first. At one point, we were in the 32nd over, we were 202. And I thought to myself, big score here, big score, well over 300. And then it fell away. And uh, I was just looking at the individual scores. Um, problem really was with Tom Latham um, batting at number four. 20 off 36 deliveries, so a strike rate there of just 55.56. And uh, Daryl Mitchell um, was uh, very, very good again. And uh, there's a clue. Daryl Mitchell batting at three. That's very, very interesting to see him uh, in that slot. Uh, that's food for thought going ahead uh, to replace Kane Williamson in that order because you give Daryl Mitchell a job, he does it. Uh, Will Young, nice to see him in the runs, 86 from uh, 78, which is a very good strike rate. Um, and uh, Chad Bowes was uh, 18 from 26 Chapman 15 from 14 Henry Nichols another interesting selection I'm not quite sure if I'd play Henry Nichols at number 6 in the last World Cup in 19, uh, 2019 Henry Nichols opened um, I don't think he's a 6 because I don't think he hits the ball hard enough early enough to be a 6 so 20 from 21 there but there are a lot of players to come back in we've got your Finn Allens of course you've got your Conways um, you know, you've got your Glenn Phillips to come back into that mix. So I, I think there's a possibility they'll sort that out. But uh, that was the issue. They fell away, couldn't get to the 300-plus mark that we probably thought we should have got to. Uh, and then the bowling got tapped up. It's pretty simple, really. Pakistan won quite um, convincingly. Fakhar Zaman, 117. Imam Ulhaq, hate those Ulhaqs. They beat us all the time. Seven, uh, 60 from 65. Uh, Barbara Azam, 49 from 46, and Mohammad Rizwan, 42 from 34. So uh, the bowlers got um, a bit of a caning. Milne, uh, 2 for 60 from 9. Uh, Henry, uh, not too bad, went for 4.5 uh, runs per over, but uh, Tickner went for 52 off 9. Sodi, 51 off 10. Uh, Ravindra, uh, brought Rachin Ravindra into the side. Uh, 7.3 overs, 1 for 53. And Daryl Mitchell was a bit of an issue too. 3 overs for 27 runs. So that was the thing. Pakistan uh, winning by 5 wickets with 9 balls to spare. 4 more games to go to try and develop some combinations. 9.30 here on SCNZ.
9.32 and uh, looking at some uh, interesting NBA action over the last uh, two or three days. Um, and uh, yesterday it was uh, quite obvious that things are heating up in that department with the playoffs. And uh, at the moment uh, we're in an interesting situation uh, looking at yesterday's results. And uh, there were some uh, fascinating ones too. Uh, Golden State Warriors uh, lead Sacramento 3-2 after winning 123-116. to the Lakers uh, froze uh, at a crucial stage. The Grizzlies knocked them over 116.99 to keep that series alive. Um, and uh, Boston uh, play today. The Nuggets, uh, the Suns are always uh, already confirmed as a next matchup, and uh, the Knicks and the Heat are also confirmed as uh, the next matchup as well. So. Uh, that's what we're looking at. Uh, hopefully we've got Brooke Rusco on the phone to uh, talk about that. And uh, we'll have him in about 30 seconds apparently, so that's cool, yeah. Um, so the Sales NBL is also what we want to talk to Brooke about because uh, he's part of the commentary team for that. It's heating up uh, as the fourth round continues uh, tonight with the Canterbury Rams taking on the Southland Nuggets, but it all started last night with the Otago Nuggets, yes, our Otago Nuggets, uh, remaining the only undefeated team in the league following a 90-83 to victory over the struggling Nelson Giants, who can't take a trick, it seems, at the moment. Them and the, them and the Saints are winless, which is uh, quite unusual. Uh, as I said, um, meanwhile, uh, LeBron James uh, went ice cold. The Lakers missed a chance to knock the Memphis Grizzlies without Stephen Adams, of course, in this series, out of the playoffs. But they survive, uh, and that'll be interesting to see if they can uh, capitalise on that. Right, uh, let's get uh, to Brooke Rusco now, who's uh, been kind enough uh, to join us, a former Tall Black, of course, and uh, sports, Sky Sports commentator extraordinaire at a really interesting time for basketball. Good morning, Brooke. Good morning, good morning. Uh, the superlatives, mate, just keep them going, keep them rolling. <laughs> Keep them going, I will. Um, the Wellington Saints have put the SOS call out with their winless start to the season. Isaiah Leavar has answered the call. Um, what is he going to help them out with uh, in terms of their backcourt? Yeah, he, he might just be what the doctor ordered. He played so, so well with the Breakers, and he's a homeboy from Wellington. Like It's just going to be great for him to be back in Wellington and put on the, the blue and white once again. But they're, they're really struggling on the defensive end. For a Saints squad that we're so used to just being dominant on one end, not really give teams second chances and then go and, and play expansive basketball down the other end. We haven't really seen it this year, and he's going to be a huge, huge help. They just can't really stay in front of anyone at the moment. And we, we saw what he can do on the defensive end while he was playing with the Breakers. He always kind of had the best you know, uh, offensive player down the other end. He was marking a Bryce Cotton or um, like a Chris Golding. Like He was always handed that assignment. So to come into this league and just kind of set the backbone of their defense, he's only here. This is the thing about the Saints um, that the, fan, the Saints fan base need to know is he's only here for a couple games. Then he's shooting off to America, and then he's coming back at the end of the year. So hopefully for them, I think they get three, maybe four games with him now, and they can string three or four wins together. Um, but just on the defensive end, he's really going to set the tone, and, and he can fill it up as well. So he, he might just be what the doctor ordered for that Saints squad, and I think he is going to be. Well, the next matchup, of course, uh, Brook is against the Nelson Giants, also winless. Uh, that's tomorrow night at uh, 7 o'clock. And Nelson, Nelson were in it for a long, long time against uh, the Otago Nuggets last night. And then when it came to the front, uh, crunch, uh, I think the scores were tied with about a minute 20 to go. Uh, a couple of big three-pointers from uh, the Nuggets, and the Giants had no answer. 
Yeah, they they put up a really tough fight last night, and I was I was impressed with their Giants team compared to the games that they played this year. They look like a different squad and a different outfit. And you're right, it came down to the end, and you know a few big threes um, kind of iced the game. And well, I've I've talked about it before. And it's pretty much in every sport that you learn to win as a team, and you also learn to lose as a team. You think about the Crusaders, just year on year on year, they're just so accustomed to winning. And, and I think that's what's happening with this Giants team at the moment this year. They, they're in a real tough place because they're coming, they're becoming accustomed to losing, which is a tough spot to be. They've got a brand-new point guard in there and Alex McNaught, who is a very, very bright future, but uh, they kind of gave him the keys and um, rolled the dice with him. It's a great experiment. Uh, he's just missing that backcourt partner that he had last year because we saw how good he was with Jared West. So, um, they'll, they'll find the rhythm. I uh, hate to be the, the brutal... Um, I guess big brother on the show this morning, but um, it's going to be a tough year for them. And, and those wins, especially when you have close games and you're in it, uh, I know you're on the road, but big Sammy Timmons wasn't playing last night as well. You really have to go mm. and get those wins. And um, yeah, for them to go on the road and lose once again. And, and, and then you go to the Nuggets, they haven't lost yet as well. They, they're looking really good. They're playing really, really well. Uh, well, their last couple of games have, have been much better than the, the first two. And they're the reigning champs. So they're in it for. I think a, a good push to run it back once again. How good was uh, Michael Harris stepping up with a career-high 31 points? Yeah, I've been saying this for the last couple of games. He's been shooting the ball a lot from deep, but he just hasn't been connecting. But he's so athletic getting to the rim. It surprised me the first time I watched him how much he was shooting the three, which also made me think, okay, if he, can, if he is shooting this much, then he has to be capable to shoot the three. And once he does get going with the backcourt that they have, actually there's three. The three that they have, um, the three imports are pretty blooming impressive. And once those three get firing all on the same page, with Sammy Timmons involved as well, it's going to be tough for the league. They're long, they're athletic, they get out and run, they can spread the floor. Their point guard is amazing. I think he is going to cause some problems for the league this year. I would imagine, if I'm, I'm putting my bets out nice and early, that he's going to be in the race for MVP. He should be in the all-star team. Uh, I would be surprised if he's not. I'm so impressed with how he's playing. But he's just long, he's athletic. They sit in the zone every now and then, which they kind of seem to be on a string. Then they can get out and they switch on on balls as well. So they're going to be a problem. And because they won last year as well, they've got that sitting there too. So a real nice start for the Nuggets this year. There's some uh, really cool matchups this weekend. Uh, Rams against the Sharks tonight. Uh, Taranaki Ears and the Manawatu Jets. How well have Manu- the Manawatu Jets put their uh, import trio together? <laughs> I'll be honest with you, surprised, very, very surprised. But it's a pleasant surprise. Uh, when the Jets are playing well, they've got such a loyal fan base down there and um, Palmy does such a good job of showing up. But when they're winning, man, they're really, really sharp. And I mean, who doesn't? I mean, look at the Warriors this year. Everyone's showing up when the team's winning, right? But they are playing so well. They're playing to their strengths. Their imports shoot the ball a lot. But I, I think the system that they have down there with Father our imports shooting tough shots, with a higher percentage than maybe some other people who have been left open at a lower percentage. And you roll the dice on your imports. They did it last year. Uh, I think they're rolling the dice a little earlier this year, and it's working out for them. And they look really good. They're getting a couple of wins. They're exciting to watch. Their imports can get going quickly. Uh, I think they're going to cause a lot of troubles for a lot of teams this year. I don't know if they'll push and you know make it deep into the playoffs. They could. They definitely could. The only thing that will get them is... Uh, they're a little young outside of their imports, um, which is always the case. But 
Uh, I'm so glad at the moment that I've been proven wrong with this team and they're exciting to watch. And every week I'm like, okay, I'll tune in and I'll watch them again. And every week I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. So Nasu and the squad that they have down there, uh, yeah, they're going well and they should be very proud of themselves. How are you uh, finding the uh, the start to the season for the Hawks Bay Hawks? Yeah, roller coaster, real roller coaster. Um, on paper, very very good, and there've been a, a few close games, and their season easily could be three and one right now, as opposed to where they're sitting. But um, I, I just think they need to find that person to close out the games for them. And for me, the Daron. Rokawa is, is probably the guy that I would put the ball in his hand and, and run on balls of Hiram Harris, but they've got so many studs and so many stars, it kind of seems like they've all been a little bit unselfish and to the detriment almost of the team because the wins aren't coming through with the way that we thought they might. Now, there's been a couple you know, contentious calls with refs that have definitely haven't helped them, and I'll be the first to admit that maybe there was a few wrong you know, decisions that were made, but also with the squad that they have, they shouldn't find themselves in that position. You know, they are stacked with Paul Black. They're, they're just riddled with talent. Uh, they've got a brand-new head coach that I know that they respect, and from what I've heard, it's been an extremely good job. Jared Kenny's around, so he's a veteran. But to be fair, they're all kind of vets. You know, Jordan Nartai, Hiram Harris has just done another big deal in ANBL, and he's, he's going over to Perth now to join the Webster brothers. So, uh, on paper, they're very, very good, and they just need to get clicking and maybe win one, two, three games in a row, and then they'll find the rhythm. But I know that that's a team that I would not want to play when it comes to playoff time. And they still have another import to come in. So they're going to be boosted once once their next import comes through, or their first import, excuse me, comes through. But um, they just need to get, get a couple wins ticking over. But come end of the season, when it matters, I think they'll be there or thereabouts. Yeah, you're right. Uh, to this point, they've been reluctant to uh, add... Uh, an import to their roster, but they're going to in the form of uh, Ira Lee with uh, quite extensive yes. experience overseas. What do you know about him? Yeah, the stock looks really, really good out of Arizona. So you go to Arizona, that's a, that's a great school to be a part of with the pedigree that they have and some of the NBA players. So, you know, he, he's talented. Uh, from what I've heard, he's, he's sitting around 6'8", 6'9", but everybody knows that once an import gets off the plane, they quickly drop to... You know, six, 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 five. But nonetheless, it will still be a big help. Apparently, he's a big body, uh, powerful, which they kind of need. They run low when they get on fouls. Their, their, their bench has been just a touch thin, and that's where they kind of get themselves in trouble when they get into foul trouble. So just having five extra fouls to give out as well and have someone to rotate through with them. And just bang inside. They, they give up a lot of offensive rebounds just on a lack of height, especially if Jordan Hunt gets in foul trouble and finds himself on the bench. So... He should clean up a lot. Um, second chance points are really killing him at the moment. And when they are at their best, they get out and run. So if he gets those rebounds and finds his guards or finds Hiram Harris to push the pace, that's when I think they're going to be at their best and that's when they'll cause troubles for the league. Really good clash. Um, the final match of the round is uh, Sunday 6pm. It's the Franklin Bulls against the Auckland Tuatara. Of course, the, the Tuatara baseball side of things uh, have uh, folded mm-hmm. up. But the basketball team, thankfully, is going very strong. Three and one uh, so far for the season, and uh, I think the matchup between Rob Lowe and Tyrell Harrison will be one of the keys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the one loss that they had was the game where they didn't have Rob Lowe; he was out, um, and it was a to me it was a bit of a shock loss. They went down to Southland and got blown out. So you can see immediately the importance of Rob Lowe, and, and I've said this with this Tuatara team. I think I have them picked to win it if they stay injury free. 
But if you lose one of those small guys, you've got Rob Lowe, Ruben Tarangi, Cam Glidden, or Jared Weeks, if you lose one of those four guys, they are going to be in a lot of trouble. But if they are healthy and they're running well, they're going to make this very tough for everybody else. And we saw how good they were in Wellington. They, they picked them apart. Nelson, they picked them apart too. So it'll be a good clash. It'll be a good test for both sides. I think they're both sitting in a, in a comfortable place. You know, they've found their rhythm a little bit. They're finding guys in the right spaces and who likes the ball where. And, you know, how can I get my shots up and what are we doing on rotations? And, you know, if you've got vets like the Tuatara have, you can kind of get by with experience and just knowing that someone else will rotate or cover for you. On the other side, this um, this Bulls team is a little bit younger, a little bit thinner, but they seem to be finding their groove on the other side as well and coming together as a team. So it should be a hell of a matchup. I'm looking forward to seeing Jared Weeks and Jaden Zant go at each other. And Ruben Sarangi, no one's really talking about him at the moment, but... Um, he's averaging, I think, just a, a touch over 25. He has 34 in Wellington. He's shooting the ball well. He looks like he's playing with so much confidence. So, if they can slow Ruben down, uh, it will be that's in their best interest. If you're a part of that um, that ball squad, to, to slow him down. Easier said than done, but I'm sure the breakers, uh, the coaches, or the head coaches of of that squad will have a, a good game plan, and then it's just got to go out and execute it. Always cool to catch up with you. I was going to uh, hold you to task on one of your earlier comments. Uh, I think it's the same Brooke Rusco that said, I, I do believe, I do believe the Lakers can win it this year. I do believe they can win it this year. They're still in it. They're still in it. They're still fighting the good fight. They are. They are fighting the good fight on your behalf, Brooke. Uh, hey, always cool to catch up. Love your enthusiasm, man, and uh, and your background too. Uh, uh, information about the leagues, it's fantastic. Cheers, man. Have a great day, weekend. Awesome. Uh, with the hoops. Cheers, man. See you later. Brooke Rusco there. It's uh, nine forty-six here on SENZ. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the whole. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Yeah, it's been pretty lean pickings this week. Uh, we got a $7 one up at the start of the week, which was uh, pretty cool, but uh, the Dodgers got hammered yesterday uh, by uh, Pittsburgh 8-1. Staying away from that baseball. Uh, right, let's get to uh, rugby league. Um, we'll go to the Seagulls to beat the Titans. I think that's uh, pretty cool. The Seagulls are up there, second or third on the ladder at the moment, dollar forty-eight. Uh, the Golden State Warriors to beat Sacramento in uh, Game Six. I believe uh, they will be too tough for them, uh, and they'll wrap up that uh, series uh, just at the right time. That'll be what for two. Uh, so dollar thirty-two, and uh, I also believe uh, in the next round the Phoenix Suns will be too good for the Denver Nuggets in Game One at a dollar sixty-four. And my money maker, uh, I know they're going to win one this year, and it might just be this weekend. Moana Pacifica to beat the Rebels. Moana Pacifica to find the right theory for 80 minutes and the enthusiasm and the excellence at $2.50. So uh, Seagulls into Moana Pacifica, into the Golden State Warriors, into the Phoenix Suns, and that will multi up to $8. Yes, $8. And uh, interesting uh, results this morning. Uh, Tottenham came back, I think, Logan. Tottenham came back. Uh, they were 2-0 down um, to Manchester United. Um, and uh, that was quite a crucial game for them because I think that still gives them an opportunity into some form of European football. 
Yeah, if they finish fifth for the year, uh, they'll qualify for the Europa League. Right, okay, so that was cool. They were 2 0 down at Two nil down at half time. Uh, other results: Newcastle four, um, and uh, they thumped Everton four one. Bournemouth, uh, good result for them, beating Southampton. Bad result for them. I think they're doomed. Yes, and Tottenham two, Manchester United two. Nine fifty four here on SENZ. Arts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, just before 10 o'clock, we can uh, tell you what's coming up in the next hour. We're going to talk to uh, newly appointed assistant coach for the All Blacks, Scott Hansen, of course, also Crusaders assistant coach. Uh, so can wear two hats this morning for a short period of time before their captains run, hopefully. Uh, then we have a panel with Aidan McLaughlin and Brad Lewis going to focus on Fight for Life last night. Watched it, bought it, watched it, loved it. Uh, watched a bit of um, basketball in between. Uh, fights, but uh, I thought it was fantastic uh, night of entertainment and uh, some really impressive results as well. So we'll talk about that with uh, Aidan and Brad, uh, Aidan McLaughlin and Brad Lewis. Um, and uh, after 11 o'clock this morning, uh, we shall be talking a bit of football with Harry Nata because the Phoenix are in a spot of bother all of a sudden. They need to find a really big performance this weekend against MacArthur. Otherwise, we don't know where the season will go. It could be it coming up to 10 o'clock with Araha. Scott Robertson's coaching staff for when he takes over as the All Blacks head coach uh, and that will be around uh, November the 1st after the upcoming World Cup. Uh, included in uh, that group uh, is uh, a man who's been with him in the trenches for the Crusaders, Scott Hansen, who will uh, oversee the defence. That will be his portfolio. Before that though, there's the business of trying to beat the Chiefs, uh, turn around the, the round one result. Uh, of uh, earlier in the season, a game which will also include the 350th first-class appearance for one of the great Iron Men of New Zealand rugby and Sam Whitelock. Uh, Scott has been uh, kind enough to join us for a few minutes ahead of their captain's run. Uh, Scott, good morning to you and thanks for your time. Uh, Good morning, Smithy. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm really cool, man. Uh, Hey, did it take much thinking about? Did you mull it over for a long time, the new appointment? Oh, it was obviously... uh an honour to be involved in the conversation and, and also the process and then um, for Razor to offer the, um, the hand really around being involved in his coaching staff. So a massive privilege and honour and um, it was nice this week to be able to share that news uh, with friends and family and, and also now be able to move forward and allow the group that's there the time and space that they need to um, set up a, what we all hope is a successful year. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I think that's hugely important. Um, there's so much business at hand there. The defence portfolio suits you. Uh, tell us a wee bit about that. Yeah, well, my, my background first, Smithy, was you know through um, the Sun Wolves and then with Japan at the World Cup defensively. So I'm very comfortable with that side of the ball. Um, I'm understanding of what uh, Test Match Footy um, involves around physicality and mentality. So I'm looking forward to the new role and working with the coaches and you know, I believe defence has a um, a real ability to influence a game, so I'm looking forward to that. So, I mean, the the whole group are heavily involved. Uh, I guess with, uh, with the exception of uh, Jason Ryan, who's got business at hand with the All Blacks uh, as we speak, but the whole group is still still heavily invested 
and um, you know the Super Rugby campaign going forward, Scott. I just wonder how how easy it's going to be for you to divorce yourself from your, your future product as opposed to your current one. Oh, man, I reckon really easy because all my energy and commitments here with the Crusaders just like it is with Leon at the Blues and Alfie at the Hurricanes. So um, we're coming in each day and we're looking at our players and they want us to be there for them mentally in every way we can be and we will be. Uh, this weekend, what that looks like for the Crusaders is a massive opportunity against the Chiefs, who I personally believe are the best team in the competition at the moment. Um, we need this game, Smithy. We need to see where we're at. Some of our players need to see where their games are at. And we'll learn a lot from this game. Well, they got you in uh, round one, and uh, it was pretty convincing, con- con- you know, considering it was on your home patch. Um, so what have you learned? Where, where have you developed from that point? Well, I think just the balance in our game, Smithy, and, and to be fair, they did get us at home and they got us pretty well. To be fair to say, they beat us up. So uh, we've acknowledged some of our learnings in the last number of weeks. We showed a little bit of resilience around our squad depth and, and where we've got. To be fair to say, we haven't uh, been at our best, but we've got what we need in regard to some results. So, as I said, mate, this is a big one. Um, our players are excited for it and it's going to be a good, super tough game of rugby. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, I think it will as well, and I, I think that uh, uh, the competition really needs it. I, I think that it's so looking forward to this, uh, this match-up, Scott. Um, they have dangers, of course. Uh, you, you mentioned you, you believe that they're probably the best side in the competition. Their record says that. Uh, they score a lot of points, particularly uh, they're outside their back three have been operating beautifully in terms of finishing. Uh, you put uh, Dallas McLeod on the wing. That's an interesting move for some. Yeah, well, what he's going to give us, mate, is a strong carry. He's going to give us good work both in the air and on the ground. Uh, defensively, connects well with the midfielders. He's got a massive work rate. It's just a game we feel um, Dallas suits for this one and what, how we want to play. Um, he's a guy that has performed really well this year, and he's earned that opportunity. We're excited for him just as we are excited for Sammy on his 350th also. So there's a couple of little special things happening during the game around uh, milestones for people. So as you said, mate, it's going to be an outstanding said day for a number of people. Where's, uh, I see Jack Goodhue on the bench, uh, Scott. Where, where is he at? He's had a terrible run of injuries, etc. So uh, obviously the fact that he's uh, there or thereabouts means he's pretty close to being fully back. Yeah, we just feel again uh, what's best for the squad and Jack in this particular case is to bring him from the bench and use his experience that way. He is still coming back from um, an extended run of injuries. You know, it's just how we care for him and how we build him back into um, his game. But he's looking very good at the moment at training. Um, he's sharing a lot of information with the group around his experiences. Uh, he's moving well and we're excited to get Jack um on the field from the bench this week. Well, uh, I imagine that uh, Damien McKenzie would give quite a few defensive coaches uh, a few headaches. Uh, his form has been quite sublime so far. He's been uh, one of the reasons the Chiefs are flying so high. Um, I just wonder, when you look at a guy like uh, Damien McKenzie, um, do you, uh, how closely do you study the defensive side of things? Yeah, well, um, Tom's here defensively is doing a great job around lining up our week and what that looks like. Um, we've acknowledged 
the great talent that DMX got. He really has returned from his time at Suntory back into the game here, and, and he's shown a lot of growth around his role as a 10. Um, so we know that he's a threat, not only with ball in hand, but he's very brave. Uh, he uses kicking game. We felt in the first game um, he found a lot of backfield on us around his kicking game, so how we can limit that uh, will be important. And then obviously how we come and shut down time and space on DMAC. He's a very, very talented player, so just as much as that, how we influence people around him. Uh, I guess one of the one of the things uh, to help there would be to uh, uh, to minimise his time with ball in hand, uh, which means possession is going to be huge. Mate, exactly that. As you well know, um, it's an important thing around limiting talent. Let's take away that time and space, but just as importantly how he gets the ball and what kind of quality he gets. Uh, we understand his world class and the challenge for us to cut down that time and space. Right, let's uh, look at um, your the theory of defence. I mean, you, when you're looking at a defensive pattern, I mean, you're looking... Traditionally, people look at it and say, oh, it's a backline issue, defence, it's a backline issue. But it's not these days, is it? I mean, it's a, it's a jersey 1 through 15, or 1 through 23, actually, project that you've got. Yeah, very much so. What you're trying to do is create a DNA that the team can believe in. Uh, you want to create something that they can uh, control time and space, the collective, the working together. Uh, defence, as we all know, is a lot of a, a large part of that is at a tunnel. And then you put a system around that the boys can believe in. The system has to be able to handle when being pressured and when not. So defensively for us this weekend uh, will be really important around how we influence the Chiefs and just as much as that, the ball that we get from our defence, like all defence, the focus really needs to be getting the ball back. Scott, just uh, finally, one of the texts we get in quite frequently here is uh, everyone wants to see Will Jordan back uh, fit and healthy and available to play rugby. Can you give us a, a, a wee update on, on where are you, where he's at, Will? Yeah, well, I'm probably one of those guys sending you the text to him, my Smithy. I'd like to see him back too, <laughs> mate, like we all would. So... Um, <laughs> First things, first things first, mate. Like any anything in life, um, health's health's the priority, and he's been very well looked after around his health and his um, symptoms around whether it be concussion. So uh, he's coming back. He's been training with us. He's looking good, but we just have to give all the time and space that he needs to make sure when he comes back he can be um, confident and at a, at his best. He's got some very good people with him helping him do that. Scott, excellent. Uh, great news that uh, we, uh, we so look forward to his return. But more importantly, um, in the near future, we look forward to this clash. Uh, I think it's going to be the game of the round, perhaps the game of the season. So uh, all the best uh, travelling north, and uh, let's just uh, hope it goes as well as it can for you. Thank you. Cheers, uh, mate. Thanks for your time today, mate. Yeah, no, thank you for yours as well, and congratulations again on your appointment to uh, one of the big jobs. It's uh, 10.12 here on SENZ. And service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah.
Aidan McLaughlin with us this morning, as is uh, Brad Lewis. Uh, we have got so much to talk uh, about, fellas, so uh, let's get uh, stuck into it. Uh, Aidan just uh, had a quick chat to Scott Hansen uh, in charge of the defence uh, for the Crusaders and now for the All Blacks. What did you make of that coaching mix? Pretty predictable? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning to you, Brad. Yeah, it was in the end, wasn't it? And um, I know there's been a lot of uh, a lot of chat recently about... Um, Razor's preferred lineup, and and really there were no surprises. And I think it's good now that we can we've got it out of the way, and uh, we can just concentrate not only on the rest of Super Rugby, um, but we can concentrate on the All Blacks for the rest of the season. Uh, and then 2024, we know what's coming. Um, and also now the Super Rugby teams, I know they've had, you know they've been expecting this for a while, but they have confirmation on on what they need to do, the the, the roles they need to fill, and they've got some time now they can go and. Uh, make some good decisions and uh, in, in a good organised way. Rightio, uh, Brad Lewis, uh, I would imagine uh, you paid your thirty nine ninety five, or you may have even gone last night um, to uh, fight for life because you love it. Um, what were the highlights for you last night? I mean, I uh, only just barely bought it and um, uh, Roy Asatasi was lying on his back. <laughs> yeah, Sam Tuitupo, man. Like, I think if, if, if that guy flashes back 15, 20 years, he might have thought about a different career. My goodness gracious. And it's not like Roy Asatasi is a small man, Smithy. So uh, that was a, an excellent performance. Look, I think the guts of Andre Mikhailovich, who managed to also show his charisma and his style um, and his extreme talented boxing ability, um, by, by coming back off the floor, um, getting knocked down, for getting hurt, really, for the first time in his career, and then completely dominating the rest of the fight, um, showed the calibre of boxer he is and Jerome Pampelon Smithy, this kid is so, so good. Um, I think we have a future world champion on our hands. Uh, he, he is a special, special once-in-a-generation talent. Uh, I, I, I love Jerome Pampelon. I think he's got a great career ahead of him. Um, and Miyamoto, congratulations, world champ. We, you know, we, we, we look over these things sometimes, but it's a really big deal. Um, so congratulations to Dean, Dean Lonergan and his team. And I think it was a great card, Smithy. I really enjoyed it. I'm, uh, I've got to ask you this, Brad, though. I'm a little disappointed um, um, in um, Mikhailovich. And, and the reason I have that, we are at a time in this world at the moment uh, where Russia is uh, a dirty word, um, and particularly in sport, mm-hmm. um, it's fair to say. Um, you know, uh, And that's across the board in most sports. Um, they're either not recognised, they're not permitted. So to, to jump up on the ropes and say, I am a <coughs> Russian, um, in the way that he did, I find that a little bit uh, out of taste. I know boxing's a different thing and with um, all sorts of adrenaline and that. You can perhaps get a little bit carried away from time to time, but I don't think that was um, good form. Mm. Fair point, and I, I think a bit of naivety from Andre as well, probably not realising the scale that he's on, and I certainly hope that he's been talked to about that. Um, I mean, look, I know that he's very proud of where he came from, and you look, he was, a, he was an orphan, him and his brother both, um, Russian orphans um, that, that um, were adopted and, and came over here and made better lives for themselves. Um, so, you know, but yeah, I, I definitely think that was that was out of turn um, and a little bit gross. Um, and hopefully uh, he's been talked. Uh, I know he's very proud of his Russian roots, but at the same time, um, we don't really want to condone anything that they're doing in the world at the moment, do we? Yeah, it was almost like a defiant statement. That's what I didn't uh, like about it. I mean, if he in a in a conversation, you know, I'm quite happy for him to say that. You know, I'm I'm a very proud Russian, etc. Um, and, and but not that way. Uh, I, I kind of thought that um, that was in bad taste. But that might have just might have just been me. Uh, Aiden, did you watch the fight for life? 
Uh, I didn't watch it live. I watched a bit. I've seen some clips and stuff, but uh, just just over the moon for Miyamoto. I mean, I think in the in the build up to to last night, uh, there was you know she got a fair bit of coverage, and I think what was always clear that she was going to go out and, and just leave nothing out there. Um, she was the aggressor clearly throughout the fight, and I think you know often in boxing, whatever level you're at, if you're the one who's on the front foot, if you're taking it mm. to your opponent, uh, you know you're going to get your rewards and. You know, um, I think I think Waters. Um, we didn't know too much about her. I think we we expected she would be quite cagey. She would be uh, pretty a- able to, to to cope to a certain extent. And I think she was. But equally, you know, there was no denying uh, a unanimous decision and a pretty clear cut unanimous decision on most of those on most of those scorecards. So yeah, really really over the moon for Motu and. Um, yeah, hopefully now she she wakes up this morning, realizes what she's done, and she can go from strength to strength in the sport. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and it's a it's a terrific story of overcoming adversity to get and using boxing as a tool to do just that. I think it's a terrific, uh, a really a terrific chapter in her life after some pretty hard pretty hard ones. Um, I, I I wouldn't want to meet um, Brad Lewis. Just, just yeah. Quick. Just quickly, mate, um, that whole team, what Isaac Peach and his brother and his team have done at Peach Boxing in West Auckland, um, you know, very similar to the city kickboxing story in a, in a different code, so to speak. I think Isaac should be commended. He's done great things with some really talented young people. He had a, a young girl who went to the, um, to the Commonwealth Games last year. So, yeah, he's, um, he's doing great things. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I totally agree. Um, love the Jandals look, too. That was fantastic. Uh, hey Brad, <laughs> Brad, I um, I wouldn't want to meet uh, Siani Fomoina in a bad mood. Boy, did he fire up in the last uh, <laughs> stages. Yeah, um, Sioni, man, like uh, a really interesting cat. Got to have a really good chat with him a couple of years ago just about where his life was at. And, you know, um, I'm really happy for Sioni Smithy because he acknowledges the demons that he went through in the latter stages of his career and admits that he didn't make the most of his talents um, and he was his own worst enemy. Um, and, you know, he's, he's doing pretty well in life from what I understand um, and, and really happy for him to be able to showcase his athletic ability last night. And again, another person, a talented rugby league player who probably could have made a career out of boxing in, in, a, different, in a different life. So uh, happy for him and he looks super impressive and boy, is he in shape as well. So, uh, yeah, really happy for Sione. And we haven't mentioned uh, Liam Messam who looked... Uh Style-wise, look pretty professional against Justin Hodges. I think it deserved victory too. Yeah, I, I do as well. Um, and Justin's got experience um, in the boxing ring, um, but Liam looked great. Um, uh, again, man, talk about a physical specimen. That's just the impressive thing about these guys is the shape they've been able to maintain post their career and stuff as well. And yeah, Liam looked great. I know he had ambitions to potentially stay in boxing post this, and then sort of said, "No, nope, that's enough for me." Um, so uh, yeah, good on good on Liam. It t- I mean, the, the guts that it takes to step in that ring. I know you know SCNZ's own Mark Watson did that a few years ago against Jesse Ryder. It takes a lot of uh, guts to get into the ring, Smithy, and have someone stand in front of you and want to punch your lights out. So uh, full credit to all of those guys and girls. Yeah, well, Lonergan would never have enough money to get me in there, I can promise you that, Brad. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, Aidan McLaughlin, you mentioned uh, boxers getting on the front foot. Uh, nice to see Will Young and Daryl Mitchell on the front foot last night, but in the end, uh, we didn't uh, post enough to challenge Pakistan to the end. No, we didn't. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I was reasonably happy with the performance. Um, it's always going to be tough in Pakistan against a very strong Pakistan side and we saw that in the T20 series that's just been as well 
the pleasing thing about the T20 series was that they, you know, they lost the first two and they came back strong. So um, I think it's encouraging. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's still time. It's great to see Daryl Mitchell uh, continuing the, the wonderful 15 months or so he's had for the Black Caps. And he, the, the good thing is he's doing it in all formats. He's doing it in all conditions. Uh, and I think we, he's now obviously one of the first names on on the team sheet, whatever format he's playing. Um, yeah, Will Young, I think that was his, the first time he's actually opened. He's had a relatively short ODI career, uh, but it was good to see him, uh, I guess, be aggressive. You know, he, he scored a good strike rate from the top of the order there. I think he got 86 off 78. Um, so it was a good opening. Uh, it was a good stand with Mitchell. And, yeah, I, you know, it wasn't to be last night, but we move on and uh, another four matches to go. Okay, uh, could I uh, ask you and put you on the spot then, Aidan, and say, what's your top four for the World Cup at this point? Okay. Uh, mm. So, let's have a think. Conway. Um, I think we'll, we assume Finn Allen. Um, I, I'd potentially go Mitchell three, actually. Yeah, I think I'd probably go Mitchell uh, three. Oh, now you've got me. Now the number four slot. It's a tricky one. Um, I think potentially, maybe even move Nisham up to four. They might have a bit of a floater in that four role, depending on the state of the game, Smithy. You know, I mean, Nisham, okay. you would generally expect to be a little bit lower. But I don't know, depending on the circumstance of a game, maybe maybe even someone like Nisham could could move up the order. You have, you have put me on the spot a bit, so... Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll stick to my guns on that. Let's, let's see what happens there. Okay. Uh, Radio Brad. Um, yeah, well, I was just going to say, um, Glenn Phillips, I think you've got to give him the opportunity to bat a lot of balls because he's, the, I think, the one who's most capable of being a match winner and the danger element. So <clears throat> I like to see uh, Glenn Phillips in there, Brad. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, I'm still not sold on... Um, the the Henry Nichols of this era um, in terms of one day no. cricket. I know he did a re- reasonable job um, in 2019, but I'm not sold on just having a specialist batsman at six. I don't get that. Smithy, if like uh, Kane Williamson, obviously like 99% not going to play, would it not be prevalent then to have Tom Latham bat in that key spot at three? Like I know he's potentially going to going to have the gloves as well, but. I mean, he is. It's almost like a like-for-like replacement, if 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 you understand where I'm coming from. Like that's the stability. I know he's done a great job at five, but I feel like we have enough players like a Daryl Mitchell or a Glenn Phillips or a James Neesham that could cover that five spot. Um, I I, I don't know. Like I, I agree almost with with Aiden's top four there. Definitely. Um, it looks like they're going to stick with with Finnellan. Um, and Conway will make a big difference. But I just I wonder if Tom Latham wouldn't be a good option at number three. Yeah, I I think Tom Latham will be there. I think he'll probably be the wicketkeeper. It's just exactly where you use him um, in that role. Uh, he's a bit of a Mr. Fix-It um, if you get in trouble, so I don't mind him around about uh, number five. Um, I could see that, and I think he's got the ability too, Tom Latham, to be a bit of a closer as well. That I, 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 I kind of feel our best two or three chances are Conway, um, with Phillips and of course uh, Daryl Mitchell with the form that he's in at the moment and the cool head that he possesses uh, I think is a real asset to us. Uh, gents uh, still got the Warriors to talk about, some super rugby of course massive weekend for both codes we'll be back in a minute uh, with Aidan McLaughlin and Brad Lewis in the meantime uh, we'll cut across to the newsroom and find Aroha ready Big talk, big opinions the panel talk, talk.
Right, uh, we're privileged to have Aidan McLaughlin and Brad Lewis with us this morning. Uh, gentlemen, massive weekend for both uh, Rugby League and uh, Super Rugby. Let's uh, start with uh, our national code, shall we? Uh, and uh, Aidan, interesting, a lot of focus on the Crusaders clash about uh, the Chiefs and Hamilton. Um, but I'm really looking forward to the Hurricanes. Brumbies, uh, I think the Hurricanes can get the Brumbies. Yeah, I think they can as well. I do, and um, yeah, it, it is understandable when the Chiefs are playing the Crusaders. Um, that, that is that does take top billing for the weekend, um, a local derby and a strong local derby where the Chiefs are at top of the table uh, when it's usually the Crusaders. But but I agree. I mean, the Brumbies <laughs> they've been playing very well. You know, they've won seven out of eight, um, and they go to to the Hurricanes who are having a decent enough season themselves. I think they've won six from eight. So. So, yeah, I think the top four, actually, now I think about it, the top four are all playing each other this weekend. So two blockbuster games and, um, yeah, two good two good fixtures uh, both tonight and tomorrow, that's for sure. 150th game for Julian Savier as well. Brad, where does uh, his career sit for you, Julian? Oh, what a fantastic servant for New Zealand rugby, for Wellington rugby in particular, and his time in the All Blacks. I still remember the, was it the quarterfinal against France in uh, 2015 when he just absolutely, almost single-handedly destroyed them in a Jonah Lomu-type performance uh, where Tony Johnson almost lost his voice. Uh, so, look, I, I, I loved Julian Savier as a rugby player for the All Blacks, and what a great servant. A big litmus test, Smithy, for the Blues. Um, Aiden mentioned it with the top four playing each other. They have a real chance to make uh, ground on the two losing sides from those top four games. Um, but there's something about the Blues this year that just isn't convincing me. I don't know what it is. They're, they're racking up um, convincing wins against the, the lesser teams. But I don't know, man. We saw the Crusaders struggle over there. I, just, I have a feeling that, uh, that, that we could see a big upset this weekend um, with the Blues. Well, there's um, always, uh, within Blues rugby, there's always, always a, quite a big Pacific Island uh, nature to uh, mm. the selection side of it um, and uh, of course they'll know exactly what they're getting into uh, when they get to Lautoka uh, I'm right, I'm with you I, I think there's scope for an issue or two for Leon McDonald's guys yeah, and, and, and this is this is the key part of the season. This is where the good teams come right. And, you know, I think I think I, I think we're gonna see that with the Crusaders this weekend. I have a feeling they're probably gonna get the job done against a really good Chief like a fantastic Chiefs side. It just it feels like the sort of game where Scott Robertson and the Red and Blacks will make a statement. It's that type of game for them and you know the the Blues very very good last last season Smithy lost in the final when they were out coached and outplayed uh, and, and this is this is the time of the season where they really need to knuckle down and, and put away these teams that are below them in the table despite the conditions being against them against Fiji and Drew Right let's get on to the big one then um, Aiden, and that is the Crusaders uh, against the undefeated Chiefs in Hamilton still no Will Jordan think it a little bit with uh, the back three have the Crusaders this week given Dallas McLeod an interesting new job on the right wing. Where do you see this uh, this game heading? Um, do you think they have improved enough, the Crusaders, because they, they got dealt to in round one? They did, and I think they will, you know, they, they, they will have improved from that. But I still fancy the Chiefs at home. I just think that um, you can obviously never write the Crusaders off, and how many times have we seen them have a little hiccup along the way, but then when it really matters... They come back, and I think still no one would would rule them out actually winning the whole competition. But for me, I just think the momentum um, and everything is with the Chiefs at the moment, and the fact that it's at home. 
Um, they've got so much confidence. Clayton McMillan is just doing a wonderful job there. And he's got a great spine to that team, hasn't he? You know, and everyone's performing, whether it's Retallick, Kane, Weber, McKenzie's having a great season. He's come back. And I think, you know, a lot of people would probably not quite written off Damien McKenzie, but probably didn't potentially thought his best days were behind him. But he has shown everyone this season that he is a top performer, whether it's at 15, whether it's at 10. And um, yeah, Chiefs for me, and I'd say probably Chiefs between 7 and 10. Between 7 and 10. Um, I mean, there's a number of clashes to look forward to here, Brad, but um, you've got to be saying Moonga v McKenzie is uh, probably the clash of the season. Mm. Absolutely, and uh, couldn't agree more with with, with Aidan. My goodness, Damien McKenzie has has made a statement uh, this season, Smithy, and, and I think he's... He secured a spot on the plane to France for me uh, as the ultimate utility player who you'd have no problem starting at 10 or 15 in a crunch game. And we know that Will Jordan's got issues at the moment. So uh, fullback might be a spot that we need to fill at some point. Uh, so, yeah, I, I say full credit to Damien McKenzie. The, injuries he's, he's, the injury he's come back from is not an easy injury to come back from. And he's, he's playing the best rugby of his career. Uh, and I also like the, the, the battle up front. There's some, there's some really good... Uh, almost all-black trials, so to speak, up front. And this is where the Crusaders win these games, is in their forward pack. And they got smashed up front uh, the first game of the season. And that's why I kind of feel like, you know, with the likes of Jason Ryan working with that team, they're going to come up with a with a, with a a typical Crusaders game plan of, of keep it tight and, and try and dominate up front and, and get one back, so to speak. Right, let's uh, get to uh, the Warriors in, uh, and a huge sigh of relief. Um, at Mount Smart headquarters because Dylan Walker's suspension is a uh, possible uh, suspension. I think everyone was thinking we're going to lose him. Just downgraded to a fine, which uh, means he's free to play against the Roosters on Sunday. That's the good news amongst the uh, injury toll. Yeah, and uh, also it's like, <laughs> don't you think it's kind of like a, a bit of an admission from the NRL that, hey man, you guys had the bad end of the, the, the stick the other night, so we're just going to go ahead and find Dylan Walker and, and not have you uh, have to lose him for this weekend. Like, I went back and watched the game last night, guys, and I try to take my eye patch off, and I, I, don't, I don't like being that sort of person who's like, oh, the referees are against the Warriors, but my goodness, there were some really gross decisions in that game uh, that, that didn't help the situation. I think Melbourne played fantastic in the second half and probably at the end of the day with, with a better team in the last 40, but it doesn't help when the referees are so inept. And they were across the whole entire weekend in the competition. It's a bigger issue for the NRL. But uh, Dylan Walker's been fantastic. He is a tremendous defender. Uh, and I think he's, he's brought a bit of professionalism to that team this year, which has been really, really important, um, particularly in the backs. Uh, how do you see this clash uh, going, uh, Aiden? Well, first of all, Smithy, I mean, what odds would we have got on a Warriors player being the first day to have their suspension scrapped? at the NRL judiciary this season. I mean, I think we would have mm. had pretty long odds. Um, so it is it is a really, really good uh, result for the Warriors to get Walker back um, because, as we, as we know, they've been hit very, very hard with injuries um, after the Anzac Day clash. Look, I think I think they can bounce back. I think, you know, even without the likes of, of Harris, Tavanga, etc., I, I still think they can they can step up at home uh, and, and get a result against the Roosters. I really do. Um, it's it's not going to be easy. The Roosters always bring problems. They always bring uh, performance. But um, 
Yeah, I, I think the Warriors can bounce back, um, even with a short turnaround, which of course is the knock-on effect from having that Anzac Day clash overseas. But um, yeah, I'm going to back them. Uh, I think they can get back on, on track and uh, keep this, this excellent run going. Well, I think, Aidan, this is probably a, their biggest test of depth. Uh, sorry, Brad, I'll get back to you in a minute. Uh, but Aidan, I, I just think they're probably their biggest test of depth um, uh, in terms of you know, um, their feeder players, their bench, etc., will be uh, exposed this weekend. Well, you're right. And these times always come along during any season for any team, don't they? There's always going to be a combination of injuries, a combination of suspensions that come along and test your depth. It's relatively early in the season for the Warriors to have to face it. But it's, 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 um, it's a good test at a, at a crucial time, really, just to see how they can, they can cope with it. And then in a couple of weeks, hopefully they have some stock back. And, you know, they have, uh, I, I, th- I think Webster did actually say at one stage after the game the other night, he just wants um, one game where he can have absolutely everyone available. And hopefully it's not too far away, but it's certainly a few weeks away at the moment. Sorry, Brad, I really interrupted you. No, 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 I rudely interrupted you guys. Uh, it's a massive couple of weeks, right? Like the buyers, I think three weeks. I think they've got the Roosters and the Panthers and the Doggies and then the buy or maybe the buy and then the Doggies. And if you can, and, and it's an unfortunate thing of timing where the Roosters are getting all their players back, all their, all their uh, really good players that have been injured and, and we're starting to lose players. And then the Panthers are resting a whole bunch of players this week and we're not playing them, but we're playing them next week when they're going to get all their players players back so it's an unfortunate um point of timing for the Warriors but yeah like this is this is huge you hit the nail on the head Smithy uh massive test for their depth um the, and the Roosters starting to come into a bit of form although the Dragons ran them really close and were probably unlucky not to win the other the other day um and both teams with that five-day turnaround will be feeling it and, and but Jero uh Hargraves uh, has been phenomenal for the Roosters in the last couple of weeks so look out for him uh and I thought Adam Fanua Blake probably had his best game of the season against the Storm so that's a battle I'm really looking forward to uh, up front Aidan if they do the numbers and release the numbers um what do you reckon will rate higher the Warriors or the, the uh, Chiefs Crusaders? In this country, it would have always been Chiefs Crusaders, but I'm not sure they'll release the individual numbers there. What do you think at the moment? I, I still think it would be the Chiefs Crusaders, but probably uh, not by much. And I think if it, was, if it wasn't the Chiefs Crusaders and they were playing different teams, I think it would probably be the Warriors that would get the edge this weekend. But to be fair, I think that there is a lot of interest in, in a top-of-the-table, almost top-of-the-table clash between between those two Super Rugby teams. Um, and I think, yeah, people will tune into that, whether it's in the pubs or at home. Um, but, yeah, the Warriors, I think it would run them close from a ratings perspective. And any other week, it might actually get over the line above Super Rugby. Aidan McLaughlin, Brad Lewis have been uh, panellists this morning. Gentlemen, have a terrific weekend uh, feasting on uh, all the sport that's uh, coming our way. Uh, yeah, to, uh, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, we shall uh, endeavour to have another panel on a Monday morning when we'll review uh, what's going to happen in the next uh, 72 hours. Can't wait for all the action. It is uh, 10.42. Uh, when we return, uh, we might get a tip or two from... Louis Herman Watt, and uh, certainly from the TAB, surely. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Right, uh, it's uh, coming up to 10.48 here on SENZ. Kevin has uh, texted in and said, uh, Morning, Smithy. I watched the Black Caps um, again. They could have won. Finally, they have worked out. Young is a very good opening option. Uh, he waited for the ball last night, didn't just play at it with uh, anchored feet. Uh, Bo's big question mark there is footwork is 40%. Mitchell, absolutely brilliant. I don't know why they don't open with him. He virtually did it last night. We need a striker at six, not a guy who faces 21 balls for one four. Our get-out-of-jail card, mate, uh, HMNZS Nichols. The bowling, uh, question mark, was just ordinary. Henry, though, was good, but he can't do it all. That's uh, Kevin from Tadarangi, who watches a lot of cricket, Kev, um, and comes in some really, really good uh, analysis and information about it. Uh, enjoy getting your texts, Kev. Keep them uh, coming on in. Uh, Louis joins us uh, this morning to uh, look at uh, what's a very busy weekend of uh, gallops. Of course, uh, races uh, today, but uh, Tarapa and Hastings, uh, the focus tomorrow, particularly Tarapa. We've got the Cambridge Breeders Stakes, uh, Louis, and the Travis Stakes. Yes, Smithy, and if anyone was listening, I'm sure plenty of people were, well, I hope they were, to uh, Mark Walker, who joined us this morning, and he gave us a bit of live information that Pukatero was going to be scratched. Um, so we had the better part of two hours to get our bets on, and I suggested, and I was actually... In all honesty, and I'm serious, Flamebird was my top pick in this race. I just think she's a, a different filly, this, this preparation. She came back from a spell and she just put them away at Pukekohe and then fell out of the gates and rattled off some sectionals last start that would have had her going neck and neck with Pukatera to win this race. Well, you could have got 5 bucks $2 this morning, win in place. Now she's $3.60, $1.45. So... Hopefully we did the right thing there and, and some punters got involved, even if it was on another horse, you know, Denby Road, you can make a case for uh, Petrucci, I Choose You, just a niggly gate out there, Westwood, fast horse will get up on the speed. So um, that's the Breeders' Stakes. And, then, and in the Travis Stakes, well, some of the Mark Walker's best of the weekend, Aromatic. Aromatic, yeah, I don't mind Aromatic actually, but uh, what are we looking at track-wise? It's a soft five, and it, it seems to be like the weather's pretty decent up in uh, Hamilton at the moment, just from my quick bit of met servicing I did, and, and that's good news for the footy, obviously. It's a, a great day to be there if you want to go to Tarap and then hang around and head across to uh, Waikato Stadium. It'll be an absolute doozy. And, and you're down in uh, Hastings, obviously, so what's the weather like for you? Because they're racing there as well. Yeah, overcast at the moment. I uh, haven't had a lot of rain this week, so I would imagine uh, the Hastings track will be in, in pretty good nick, uh, actually. It's, um, it's sort of a, a bit of a nondescript sort of a day, but um, yeah, um, some really healthy fields with uh, a lot of horses travelling down from up north, so uh, that's uh, quite interesting as well. And uh, also, of course, some central district horses with the winter tracks getting involved. Uh, the, the, the Myers stable, uh, the Nelson McDougall stables uh, starting to get their horses primed for the fences, mate. That's exactly right, and that started with a bang, and uh, nobody was surprised to see Kevin Myers win the first jumps race of the year on, uh, we was at Wednesday at Harwater. Um, and Smithy, I've got one for you, Hastings, actually. We're following our money. Race seven, number six, Flying Surf. Good to see Jonathan Parks back riding. He's probably one of the most talented riders from the CD, and the CD um, could obviously, as much as every jurisdiction in New Zealand, as we've talked about, could use another senior rider at the top of their trade. So Jonathan Parks jumping on Mike Breslin's Flying Surf here. Flying Surf is overdue another win. And um, I don't usually love tipping horses in their 50-second start trying to win their seventh race. Uh, fifth race, 
should I say. But I think she's due a winning go, and, and it might be tomorrow. Okay, uh, Louis Herman, what a uh, busy but uh, fruitful weekend, hopefully, for you. Um, race meetings uh, on all uh, three, four days counting today, three days counting today, tomorrow, and Sunday. So uh, plenty for us to look at and talk about uh, on Monday as well. Louis, uh, punt well, uh, as they say in the trade, punt well. It is 10.52 here on SENZ. Ben Smith on SENZ. It is uh, 10.57, and... Uh, Pip Morris joins us, and uh, Pip, uh, whilst everyone's talking about the Warriors, you'll be interested uh, about 9.35 tomorrow night because your Panthers should beat West Tigers, surely. About uh, Cleary getting rested there, Smithy, but then there's other publications saying he won't. But either way, yeah, I'd like to think they could beat the Tigers. I think they're about a dollar oh five uh, to do so. Can tell you too about the other NRL games tonight. Of course, the Brisbane Broncos they lead the table, but they are missing Payne Haas and Ezra Mann. But so the betting uh, still pretty split on that game. To be fair, with the Bunnies going up against them, but I did think the Bunnies possibly could take that out uh, tonight's game with the Eels. Ninety-one percent of the money. Head to head on them, and then that betting very even between the Broncos and the Rabbitohs. As far as the Super Rugby goes, the Crusaders and the Chiefs has been uh, look the really popular game for partners to back into, and 69% of the head to head money, Smithy is on the Crusaders at those tasty odds. The best-backed power play is Damien McKenzie and Richie Mawanga, both anytime try scorers, and either team win by seven or less at $21. Chiefs 1 to 12, best backed winning team in margin, followed closely by the Crusaders at 1 to 12 also. So, a couple of nice plays there, Smithy. Uh, to Greyhounds as well. Um, there's two venues today, Invercargill plus an extra as well. Uh, and uh, Whanganui as well, back at Hattrick. So, um, plenty to look forward to for um, fans of uh, the Dogs. Yeah, absolutely, Smithy. I'm looking forward to the hat-trick meeting. I've actually thrown out one in race number two, big time bad. He's been hitting a line really strongly over the 375 metres. He's from this Fernando Castle litter, uh, the brother to the likes of big time Bernie, and I just think he'll suit the 520 metres. I see there's a lot of money for his sister on day as Boo as well, so maybe the Quinella there. I uh, could look out for those bonus facts as well. And we do have Group 2 racing out of Tavapa for the Cambridge meeting, Smithy. The Travis Stakes there, I can tell you the best facts is the Tiaka runner Aromatic. And then the Breeders, it's Lance Noble's Charge Flamebird uh, to get back up and go one better than last start. Good on you, Pip. You have a terrific weekend. I know you'll be busy, but I hope you find time to watch uh, the Panthers uh, at least uh, tomorrow night. Uh, thank you very much. 11 o'clock here, football after the break with Harry Nata. Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's been a busy week in the EPL with the match day 33 wrapping up this morning. Scores, Newcastle 4, Everton 1, Man U 2, Spurs 2, Bournemouth 1, Hapless, Southampton 0. So uh, real problems for them at the bottom of the table. I think they're looking at championship football next year. Meanwhile, the next round of matches begins uh, as early as tomorrow with Crystal Palace facing West Ham United. There's no rest as the race for both the EPL title and the relegation uh, intensifies. Closer to home, the Wellington Phoenix are hoping to hold on to sixth place in the A-League and make the finals a crucial weekend for them. Uh, joining us now is uh, SENZ, on SENZ, is former All-White uh, midfielder Harry Nata, also of course has been a football pundit uh, over the years too. Uh, Harry, good morning to you. Thank you very much for joining us. 
Smithy. How are you, mate? Good to talk again. It's been a wee while, hasn't it? It, it has been. So uh, shall we just begin with a dear subject to your heart, Liverpool? What a season you're having, roller coaster. Oh, mate, yeah. Look, yeah, it's been, um, I guess, when they were coming in the end of last year, right, when they were in, you know, four trophies, right, right to the end, and they played just, you know, 60-odd games or whatever it was. Um, and, I, and I think when you looked at, you know, the start of this season, well, essentially you're off the first sort of half a dozen games or dozen games, I think, bloody hell, what's going on here? And there's clearly some, um, some areas of concern that obviously they've addressed now with Trent moving in the midfield and obviously looking to, you know, a lot of, lot of talk and, and noise around rebuilding for, you know, in the summer coming up. So expect them to, I guess, re- regenerate, particularly around the middle of the park um, and potentially, at, at, you know, at the back as well. Um, there'll be some movement in the summer transfer. There's no doubt about that because... Um, you know, a big club like Liverpool, they're, they're, they're always there or thereabouts. So, and, and Klopp's a, he's a smart guy, right? He's a good coach, good manager. Um, and I guess they'll, they'll use this season to um, at least to get into Europe, I would think would be a minimum now. I think top four probably for them is probably yeah, a bit of a stretch. They need results to go their way and they need to win their last sort of half a dozen games, etc. But um, yeah, it's been a disappointing season, I'm sure. But, you know, others like Chelsea and even your mob mate Spurs have been, you know, I've been hit and miss this year. Um, so, yeah, look, it's been, as you said at the top, Smithy, it's been a really exciting, um, I guess, two-horse race, essentially, right, with uh, Arsenal and, and Man City. And then, but the, I guess for me, the intriguing part of the, the competition has been down the bottom, right, because mm. I guess there's been kind of a, up to six or seven teams, you know, two or three points separating, you know, the bottom and, and kind of mid-table. So there's still a lot to play for um, for a lot of those clubs this season. Leicester City, you remember the glory days, Jamie Vardy, the Dilly, oh. uh, the Premiership, 2016. Uh, here we are, Jamie Vardy still trying to bail him out, uh, scored a, a goal the other day, uh, facing relegation. Can you believe that? Mate, you look at, you look at that, Smithy, you're absolutely right. You look at the table then, you look at the bottom, there's some bloody big clubs down there, right? Everton, massive club. I mean, I think they're the only club that hasn't been, you know, hasn't been relegated from the, you know, from the... I guess the top division, whether it's Premier League or the old first division. You know, Leicester, you talked about one, you know, back in 2016. You got Nottingham Forest, you know. I mean, we're talking years ago now, mate, but, you know, back-to-back European Cup winners in their history. Leeds, massive club in, in Yorkshire as well. One of the biggest clubs. You're talking Man United, you're talking Man City and those sort of areas. You throw Leeds in, in terms of support. Um, and Ellen Road's a horrible place to go to. So there's definitely some big clubs that are kind of battling um, to scrapping to get any points. You know, one point at this stage against uh, a fellow competitor down the bottom there is like gold. I mean, these clubs down there, they just can't afford to lose at the moment. Um, you need one or two results to go your way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really exciting time looking at the bottom, as you said. Right, let's, uh, can we just return to the top? Um, as you say, it's a two-horse race now. It's threatened to be a one-horse race about uh, three to four weeks ago, but Arsenal yeah. are compounding, yeah. uh, compounding somewhat. They still hold top berth uh, with 75 points, but uh, Manchester City are uh, on a hell of a streak at the moment, eight-game winning streak for Guardiola, and he bought Erling Haaland. I'm not sure in uh, my recent memory I've seen a more imposing figure up front on a football field. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think he's surprised. I mean, we've seen his his, his history, right, with um, uh, with Dortmund in Germany. He was he was scoring goals for fun, and there were obviously question marks: Can he do it in the Premier League? You know, 
and they they, they paid a, a pittance for him really. When you're talking about 100 million for Jack Grealish, and you're talking 100 million for the top striker now, I can't remember his name, Osmina in, in Napoli and in, in R as well. Um, 85 million for Nunes, 88 million that Chelsea spent on Murdoch. So. You know they got Harlan for a for a steal, <laughs> and that was a I guess a good play from his agent putting in that release clause. But you're absolutely right. And you look at kind of the the names on the, that list, right? You go through the Premier League goal scorers: Sergio Aguero. You go, you know, Alan Shearer. Um, you know, you got Dwight, um, Joe, um, Andy Cole. You're talking, you know, these sort of players. But he's just like he's smashing all records. Mo Salah. Um, from 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 Liverpool as well. It's been there or thereabouts every season. Harry Kane as well. I mean, he's I mean, he's leaps and bounds ahead of, <laughs> of all of them at the moment with his with his performance. He just seems to be such a rounded player. And at 22 years of age, Smitty, my God, um, there's probably another 10 or 12, 13. I don't know how many long you know we've got with with Erling Haaland playing at this sort of level. Um, you know, the world's his oyster. I mean, you talk Lionel Messi, you talk Ronaldo, in a certain elite and echelon of, of football. Yes, it's his first season, you know, albeit, but he's playing in a team that's, um, you know, that's just like a machine. I mean, and this is kind of, I guess, synonymous with how Man City play, right? That's the last sort of half a dozen, dozen games. They start turning the heat up. They start dialing it up. And as you said, you know, winning games back to back. Pressure doesn't seem to get to them. I mean, they've been through this before. They win this year, Smith. It'll be fifth Premier League title in six years. And that's, we haven't mm. seen that sort of dominance since, you know, Alex Ferguson, Man United, when they won 13 titles. Um, so look, yeah, it's it's a really a pleasure to watch. And for those Arsenal fans out there, and I know there's a few in New Zealand, um, you know, your heart is in your hands a lot of the time, particularly the last sort of four games where they've had those, you know, disastrous results against Liverpool, West Ham, I think Southampton as well. Um, and then they just got played off the park the other day against Arsenal. So um, yeah, it's Arsenal's to lose, I guess now. Right. Okay. Let's uh, look at um, uh, let, let's look at uh, Chelsea. Can we just before we leave the EPL, uh, oh, the day they uh, the day they said to um, uh, Abramovich, "I'm sorry, you've got to sell this club. You've got to get out of Dodge. Uh, we'll find a new owner, but please leave and leave very quickly." I, I think things have turned to custard, have they not? I mean, even now, Frank oh, Lampard's man. been there five Runny minutes, custard, and they're asking, really. yeah, that 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 asking <laughs> for Frank custard. Lampard's head, awful. Well, mate, this is just, I mean, and I, I, you listen to and see, you know, a lot of the feedback and, and comments from, from Chelsea supporters. I mean, they've, they've come through 20 years of Abramovich and 20 years of, of let's, let's be fair to say, dominating the Premier League, you know. A um, couple of Champions League titles in there with De Matteo and Tuchel as well. Um, but, yeah, they've just, and Bowley's come in, right? He's come in and, and, and just cleaned out, for me, um, the existing, you know, uh, football department with Peter Cech and Grobeskaya, the you know the two leading, um, you know, I guess re- you know, GM of football, GM of recruitment, those to- those types of roles, and he's took it on himself to go and just play, you know, football manager essentially, um, spending six hundred million pounds um, in the last two windows, um, and there's a gaping hole up front, right? They've had Lukaku, Yang. They can't seem to. They haven't scored one goal in their last nine games or something like that. So um, it's yeah, it's a horrible state of affairs. And poor old you know Frank Lampard. Yeah, five games, five losses. I mean, it's I, I feel really feel for Frank because he's been a you know he's he's a club legend and 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 to be 
I guess, held in this light and be, you know, he's, he's obviously put his hand up for the job, but um, I guess there's Nagelsmann and, and Enrique that have been talked about. I think for me, Bailey just got to go, look, it's too late now. I mean, they should have done it when they got rid of Potter. It's gotten a, a top, top manager there and then. Um, it's difficult when now Frank's been given, you know, 10 games, you know, five games is, is, is five games in a row they've lost. And they just they just lost all confidence within their team. Uh, it really is sad to see, but... Um, Yes, and they think we're talking about it. Or two today, Smith. I think there's someone, some pundits or some articles around. You know, Chelsea could actually get relegated. You know, if they lost every game, and you know, mm. whether it's Southampton or those teams battling there could actually win, and results go their way. There's a, there's a, there's an outside chance, very outside chance. I don't think they will, but a very outside chance that mathematically they still could do, could go down. Um, but um, yeah, it's a really shame to see the way that the club is going at the moment. Harry Nata, did you ever think that one of the most talked about football teams on the planet would be Wrexham? Oh, mate, yeah. What a story, eh? What a story. Um, bloody hell. I know they're talking to Gareth Bale as well. about. I think he tweeted something, a congratulation note to, to Ryan Reynolds or something, and they came back and you know, you know cheekily asked if he'd like to come out of retirement. So... Um, but yeah, what a story that is, Smithy! Unbelievable, and and so good for the for the town of Wrexham, um, and for supporters. I mean, they were they were looking at bankruptcy a few, you know, uh, a little while ago, um, and the two Hollywood stepped in, and and now look at them, you know, they've uh, promoted to the, um, you know, to the to yeah, what, tier two, um, you know, in in England there, um, they're in the football league now. So that's their first goal. It wouldn't surprise me if they'll be looking at, you know, promotion over the next sort of two to three years and to continue that story. Um, it's an unbelievable story and great for great for football. We talked about that story around Leicester, you know, and that was just, you know, one in 5,000, I think, were the odds. Leicester winning the Premier League back in 2016. Um, this, is, this is just another story tale around, um, around football in the UK where it's, it's such a cool story. Problems on uh, this side of the planet as well, uh, Harry, because it wasn't that long ago we were looking at the Phoenix having a, a home playoff. Uh, now uh, we're getting desperate to think we might even see them in the playoffs. What has happened there that, uh, that, uh, that you can see from the outside looking well, in? Mate, yeah, look, they've just had, they've had some horrible results of late and conceded some, re you know, four and five, you know, um, over the last few weeks. It's just uncharacteristic of to, you know, on the way they were looking at fourth, right, or even second, um, a few weeks ago. Um, now they'll be they'll be hanging on. I don't. I mean, they've got to beat Macarthur bottom of the league, obviously tomorrow, um, to guarantee a place or, or a draw will get them because the, the chasing pack behind them, um, the goal difference is you know is in their favour from a Phoenix perspective. But you want to go into the, the first round of finals football with some you know uh, with some confidence with 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 a decent run of results and and um, one that you can take in you know. A, 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 one point will do them against MacArthur, but you know there's no doubt three will be on the, the top of the list. And and you know for a way to to send Ufuktele off on a you know from from his his service with the club over the last few years as well. So um, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do, Smithy, because they have dropped off the boil over the last few weeks and can see there's some ugly. It's been some ugly games, um, some disastrous results there. But look, they're, they're in with a chance with the with the finals. Finals football, as we know, um, you know. Can, uh, can bring out the best in people. So uh, they'll be looking at this game first and foremost, and then you know, once they get this result out of the way, hopefully they'll be, you know, they'll be um, you know, put a good finals run together. 
Harry, it is often said in cricket, you're always remembered by your last innings in sport. You're often regarded or remembered by your <coughs> your last performance as such. But uh, Ufuk Talay, his uh, last four to five weeks have not been happy. As you mentioned, uh, they've conceded what, they've conceded 17 goals in the last five games. So defensively, they've disintegrated, it looks like. Uh, but how will people remember Ufuk Talay's tenure at the Phoenix, do you think? Oh, look, he's, he's, I mean, there's been, he's undoubtedly the, you know, um, the best coaching record um, at, the, at the Phoenix. Um, and, and then when you look back at, I guess when you look at, oh, I can't remember the years now, 07, 08, 19, or whenever it was when, you know, Ricky had them, they went to, you know, one game away from the grand final back-to-back years. Obviously, he had, we had South Africa World Cup thrown in there as well. Um, you know, they, that, they were, they were, those times were fantastic, wasn't it? Um but the way he's kind of, I suppose, evolved the, the, the player base as well, Smithy. I mean, he's had some, um, a, a lot of turnover of players in his time, but he's had some stable ones in there. I mean, guys he brought out, like, um, you know, obviously Alex Roof had long-term injuries, two long-term injuries. Um, you know, there's a number of other players, too, that he's that have, that have come. Stephen Old, you know, Sam Sutton. I mean, these types of young players, too, have been exposed. You know, Ben Wayne now playing in, at Plymouth. So... Um, yeah, through his time, he, he, he has, I guess, um, embedded a, a, a style of football that's, you know, that's conducive to the players at his disposal as well. He's played some good attacking football. And again, every club and every team has times where they go through challenging moments, right? And conceding four or five goals is not, is, you know, it wasn't part of the plan. But again, building some resilience within the club um, and within that player base, I think um, he can hold his head up high. Um, Probably just, I think from my, from my side, he'd probably be disappointed. He, they, they weren't able to push on and go any further when they really had that chance in, in, in finals football. Albeit, you know, this year, hopefully, um, they can go one better. But, um, um, yeah, that's, I, I think it's, it's been really positive, mate, from my side. There's no doubt about that. Harry, you had a, a proud history with the Football Kings going back. Now we're talking about uh, club expansion. Uh, it seems a weird time to be talking about uh, player availability and depth in this country uh, when all of a sudden uh, the Phoenix is struggling somewhat. But uh, the reality is um, there's a chance of uh, another team in Auckland. Can it go this time? Can it work? Oh, look, I think they're dovetailing on the back of the, you know, obviously Women's World Cup here in a, in a couple of months too. So there's going to be a groundswell of, of, of support um, and people talking about football. Um, can I think it working? I mean, they would have done their math. APL would have done their math, right? Would have done their sums and uh, around um, Canberra and around Auckland. Um, do I think it can sustain it? Yeah, Auckland definitely can sustain another another football entity here. Whether there is the player base, and as you talked about, the quality um, available across um, not just across the the um, in Australia, but across in, here in New Zealand as well. Um, we now have, I mean, it's great for rivalry, right? Auckland-Wellington rivalry. Um, and again, it's another pathway. It's another opportunity to produce young New Zealand players and uh, coming through that player pathway, whether it's the Phoenix and whether it's through um, this new Auckland franchise. So for me, definitely opportunity. Because that, that was kind of the, I guess, the plan and the, the cope-up of around the Kings, right? Was to give young New Zealand mm-hmm. players an opportunity at playing full-time football and professional football within not having to go offshore, like... Yeah, a lot of us you have had to do back in back in those days. So, I would like to think, whilst I guess there's a commercial reality to um, to the model um, and a, I guess a, a strategy around success, but there also needs to be for me 
around um, developing opportunities for young New Zealand players, both male and female. Um, I, I feel there has to be a balance between, yeah, I guess striving to win the league or playoffs or they'll have a plan the first three years is embedding, they want to be making playoffs in the fourth year, third year, maybe, whatever. But I think the opportunity to um, to give to young New Zealand players coming through, and we know that the best ones will go on, you know, to Europe. Um, you know, um, Costa Barbarossa, Saprit Singh, Libby Kakachi, you know, players that, you know, Shane Smelton his time all went overseas and used um, Marco Rojas, you know, all used the, the, the Phoenix and the New Zealand franchise, whether the Kings, the Knights, whatever, to, um, you know, to take their careers further. So it is a, it is a development phase for me that really needs some attention um, and some, um, some resource dedicated to it. So I hope it does go off all right. Smithy, look, I've got no doubt there'll be support from Auckland um, for, this, for this team. Um, it's just weird. I'm really interested to see how, what players they can pull together and what their, their roster and, and, and squad is going to look like. Because it kicks off in, a few, you know, in a few months, right? Next mm. year, next season is what we're looking at. So they're going to have to move pretty quick. Harry Nata, um, always a pleasure catching up with you. As you say, it's, it's been a while. Just before we let you go, how about them Warriors? Oh, I know, mate. I know. Jeepers. Um, they're going all right at the moment, aren't they? I mean, the unfortunate result against the Storm in the weekend. But, um, I mean, when, when you're looking at the games at Mount Smart, it's full. You know, it's full. You know? So I, I suspect there'll be another full stadium. I think it's a Sunday um, they're playing. Um, yeah, it's great to see them enjoying their football. Um, and we know there's always going to be fan support for for the Warriors, but um, seeing a, a sold-out full stadium at Mount Smart um, really is nice to see. Had, you know, I've had some conversations with some older players, older players like Logan Swan and, and Ruben and, you know, and Monty, and um, the guys are really excited at, um, at how the season started. Uh, let's hope they can just keep, you know, keep pushing. Um, yeah, it's just about standards, eh, Smithy? You know, in elite sport, mate, mm. the standards and, and behaviours, winning becomes a habit, losing becomes a habit, you want to be winning, you know, um, more often than not um, and just keep raising your standards so I definitely think they've got that element that can see it in the way they play and how they defend and players are absolutely knackered when they come off the park it shows they've given 100% so um, that's all as a supportive base you can ask for Absolutely right Harry summed up beautifully uh, as did uh, the football uh, segment as well thank you mate, uh, have, a, have a terrific weekend great to catch up, cheers Awesome Smithy, talk soon mate, thank you, bye yeah, thanks. Harry Nata there uh, with his uh, considered views uh, across the board on football uh, on both sides of the planet. Wonderful, uh, Harry. Thanks for that. Right, uh, it's 11.22. When we return, we shall be going to the sports desk. That is without doubt. For sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Right, let's head across to Logan Swinkles. I'm surprised actually that he's uh, given us any time at the moment because his beloveds, his beloveds are on the ice at the moment in game five. What's happening? What's happening? Well, Smithy, you have my full undivided attention because like, I'm, I'm just going to have a little bit of uh, impassionate rant here for a moment if you uh, will humour me because we are halfway through the first period in a potentially serious clinching game the Maple Leafs 
and the Tampa Bay Lightning is currently 1-1. The Leafs are leading their series 3-1. And we have no vision. ESPN, turn your freaking stream on. We pay for this, and yet you dog Kiwi and Aussie hockey fans time and time again. And I know your, your hands are a little bit tired because... Big Daddy Disney is the one that's looking after this, not you. But you are in charge of what's happening here in New Zealand and Australia. Sort it out. There are so many angry uh, fans on Twitter just hitting me up right now, Smithy. It's unreal, just the the passion that comes through. I mean, you can imagine, if you want to watch like a big rugby game and, and it's not there on TV, you'd be pretty pissed off. Say what you think, Logan. Don't, don't hold back. Come on, say what you really think. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think Brian would have to hover over the uh, the dump button uh, for about a good 5-10 seconds if I did that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I know how to be a professional. Uh, yeah, so right now it is 1-1, one, one. Uh, even if you can't see it. There's still updates, uh, thanks to The Athletic. Uh, but then moving on from that, Smithy, before we get on to Stumped, big weekend in sport, of course, and SEN, SEN and SNZ has a whole... Bunch of it. Tonight, NRL, Eels versus the Knights, Combank Stadium from 7pm. Saturday, Center Pass Netball, Steel versus the Pulse with uh, Mark Stafford and Brooke Lever commentating from 7pm. And of course, uh, we was just talking EPL. We've got Crystal Palace v West Ham United from 11pm, followed by Brighton v Wolves from 1.30am on Sunday. And then carrying on Sunday, it's the big one, Smithy. Warriors v Roosters at Mount Smart Stadium. Imagine, hopefully, that's going to be packed out. We've got a pregame show starting at 2 p.m. And then uh, join Uncle Kempy, Tony Kemp, and Sam Hewitt from 4 p.m. for the uh, full commentary there. And more EPL with Fulham v Man City from midnight, followed by Liverpool v your beloved Tottenham from 3 a.m. Monday. Big weekend. Do you ever envisage, I mean, we, we announced brilliantly this morning that uh, SENZ have uh, got the rights. We've got the rights to cover um, New Zealand against uh, England. Uh, this is from the 30th of August through to the 15th of September. Four T20 matches. And, of course, we've got uh, the One Day International Series, of course, as well, which is so crucial in terms of final preparations for the Cricket World Cup. Do you ever envisage SENZ having live Ice commentary, live <laughs> NHL commentary, called by Logan Swinkles. Uh, like it's not like I haven't already pitched that before, Smithy. Uh, but I am very looking forward to this uh, the ODI and T Twenty series with the Black Caps in England. Adam Collins does such a fantastic job calling cricket on radio, as does uh, uh, Jer- Jeremy Coney as well. So that's going to be a big one. And of course, you know, SDNZ. We just keep grabbing those rights, don't we? Yep. Wow. Well, is there a possibility they might get domestic cricket? Oh, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud there. <laughs> domestic cricket rights in New Zealand. Oof, wouldn't that be exciting? Okay, uh, Logan, you've got to hop uh, studios now and hop across to uh, the other chair, which, of course, is uh, Quizmaster for Stump Smithy because it's the final opportunity this week uh, for you to take us to the cleaners. Uh, it'll be a uh, TAB bonus bet for 50 bucks. Uh, just dial 0800 150 811. 0800-150-811. Brian is poised as we speak. Out of heart with the news, and then we shall play ball today. Yeah, it's a beautiful day down here, Smitty. No, not a cloud in the sky. Good day for a Friday. 
All right. Okay. Cool. Well, let's we, let's hope we can put a bit of sun on uh, your bank account uh, or your your TAB account uh, with uh, a fifty dollar donation from the TAB. Uh, what are the subjects today for Bevan? The subjects to choose from today, Bevan, are Major League Baseball, basketball, and netball. Oh, jeez, that's a they're a tough one. Um, we'll go. We'll go netball. All right. Good luck. I have to say, I think Brian has gone a little easy on some of these questions, so don't always be daunted by the category, but first question on netball for you, Bevan. Who was captain of the Silver Ferns last time they played in January's quad series? Oh, geez, I, this is a stab in the dark. Jenna Clinton. One of the worst things I have oh. ever seen done oh, on a cricket field. Over to the keeper, oh. Smithy. Oh, 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 that was my answer. That was my answer. Um, let's go for... Oh, God, I'm gone here. I'm gone. Um, let's let's go for Amelia Ann Ekanasio. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yes, Smith. Really? Yes. Really? Yep. Oh, I was all over Gina Crampton. I was gone for all money there, and the first name that came to mind uh, after her was Amelia Ann. So, hey, Bevan, absolutely sorry uh, about that, uh, but please don't be a stranger. Look forward to catching up with you again. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. All right. Well, next at the crease, back to beautiful, beautiful Nelson. Brian, come in, mate. Well, thanks for promoting Nelson. It is a beautiful day, lads. How you doing? Beautiful day. Those giants are going well, eh? (laughs) Oh, Oh, let's not go there. They actually played well last night, I've got to say. Their turnover count killed them. Yeah, it did actually. And they just, when it came to the crunch in the last minute and a half, they just uh, literally dropped the ball a wee bit there. But they're getting closer. So I went around uh, just around the corner, no doubt about that, uh, Brian. Okay, Uh, question question two, yeah. Oh, I love a bit of gamesmanship already. Uh, Take. Taking a stab at the Giants. All right, first question for you, Brian. Second question here. How many points do the winless bottom of the table Southern Steel have in the ANZ Premiership? I don't believe they've got any because they haven't won any games. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Over to you, Smithy. Say that again. Question, please. How many points do the winless bottom of the table Southern Steel have in the ANZ Premiership? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Brian. Uh, we did a uh, netball interview. We had it prepared to go with uh, Storm Purvis yesterday, and Keza uh, jumped in. And I did some research, of course, looking at the points table, and I couldn't work this out either. But they got two points, I believe. They've got two points. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, you know what that means? We're on a hat trick ball here, Smithy. You're two for two. Two for two. Right, who's uh, who's next? Have a great weekend, Brian. Who's next? <laughs> next and last, we're going to Mark from Christchurch. How are you feeling, mate? Yeah, pretty nervous, but it's a lovely day here right in the middle of the, the two previous uh, victims. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> we're, keeping, uh, we're keeping it South Island today. All right, last question. $50 TRB bonus bet up for grabs here for you, Mark. Can you name Dame Nolene's assistant at the Silver Ferns? Oh. Oh, 
One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, he's left the delivery and it's gone through to the keeper, Smithy. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, is it? Um, I'm going to have a, a, her name used to be either Debbie Mart- Martoi or is, I think her maiden name was Debbie Martoi. I think she's been um, uh, Dean Nolene's assistant for her. I think she's married. I think her name now is Debbie Fuller. I could be wrong. Debbie Fuller? That's a couple of chips now to make it right in the slot and away it goes. Three, four, three, the hat trick ball. Sorry, Mark. Wow. I love those. I love those netball questions. I sounded that intelligent. I sounded like Keza. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Brian, I love that standard of question where you bring uh, even thickos like me back into the equation. So, uh, thank you very much. Uh, so, that the uh, bad news is no winners today. Good news. Good news. $100 uh, come Monday around about the same time, hopefully. Right, 11.40 here on SENZ. Uh, we'll be back with a very knowledgeable Michael Guerin very shortly. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, I uh, love this uh, time of the week because uh, we get a lot of things confirmed and we get uh, a little bit of information from time to time, which is pretty accurate because we're talking to Michael Guerin uh, on harness racing action in particular, but uh, he's so busy with uh, SENZ over the weekend with a number of shows. Uh, and uh, M- Michael, tonight, um, quality harness racing at headquarters, uh, beginning uh, in race uh, four, as early as that, Group One Messenger. Uh, copy that. The, the punters have stayed with copy that. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Hope you're well, mate. Hope all your listeners are having a good start to their Friday. Yeah, so it's, it's been racing at Alexandra Park. So there's two Group Ones, which is the really serious stuff. We're getting to the back end of a month where we're based every Friday or Thursday. So the horses are starting to get a little bit tired, as you can imagine. So the ones who aren't tired turn up tonight, and some of those who are, are tired or aren't in their best form. What it means is we actually have a lot earlier made the races than usual. Usually on a big race, not the biggest races, sort of go up our state sort of nine o'clock-ish. But because they're smaller fields, the TAV happened them a bit earlier, so it's just a bit of a bonus. So for harness racing fans, you're right. First of the really big ones, and, and it's a big race. The Messenger's always a big race. Goes at 7.37, which is really early. Then the major trot, which is also group one, goes at 8.10. And for a lot of people, Smithy, that's really handy. Not everybody stays up till 10 or 11 o'clock. And, and sometimes for harness racing, there can be a drop-off. So I reckon having them early works really well. Um, Copy that is the favourite, as you mentioned. The general thought is he'll get the lead, as he did last week in the Taylor Mile, but he'll get the lead without the early pressure he had last week. And that gives his key rivals better eclipse and self-assured a problem because they have to find a way to put pressure on him. But if they do it themselves, that leaves them vulnerable. So, interesting stuff. I think he'll probably win. I think there's a beat in the race. I backed Kango yesterday to run top four. I can't see how he can possibly miss the top four. I think he'll be in the trail behind copy that. And I think you get about $1.75 for him to run top four. He should be about $1.20. 
The other big race of the night is the uh, the major trop, the Peter Brecken Memorial Mobile National Trop. Muscle Mountain should lead, he should win, Elderbear and Zeus will probably be in the trail, and if you're taking a fixed odds Quinella, now most people will never do this with you, but a fixed odds Quinella is available on the tab for those two horses who I think will run first and second, the fixed odds Quinella is $3, and I think that's very, very fair, of course, if you're having a bet, bet responsibly. So after all of that, Smithy, we rock him to tomorrow, where it's mm. one of the last black type days of the year. At Tarapa, what's going to be interesting is whether there's any major scratches. Already, Pukateru, who is one of the favourites for the three-year-old races, come out. The scratching time in the morning for people who don't follow it, the thoroughbred racing is 7.30 in the morning. So 7.30, the trainers have to ring their scratchings in. The great news is we start the mail run, hosted by Louis Heaven Watt, at uh, 8 o'clock. So we have the scratchings, we'll have the instant information from the tracks on the track conditions and then we can try and work out between us all a couple of horses to back that rolls into the good oil from one o'clock tomorrow and then the trotting stuff we're going to wrap up at 11 o'clock on sunday morning on trots talk so smithy if anybody out there fancies a bit of horse racing we have them covered between now and about noon on sunday i was going to say uh rangy order on sunday as well you might just have a little bit of oil in well, we have a southern man segment because Greg O'Connor's from the south. I'm actually from the south, Smithy, but when you live in Parnell, no one thinks of you as a southerner. So I try not to claim these things these days, and the south doesn't want me. But Greg O'Connor does the southern man segment. And often we have southern women on the southern man segment. We talk to the trainers and drivers. Every Sunday we talk to people specific to that day's meeting. So you're getting instantaneous information, which you can put on that day. So the southern man segment... Um, goes about 20 past 11, but the show's from 11 to 12, just on the harness racing front. And some shock news this week. Uh, the boss of harness racing New Zealand, the chief executive, is a guy called Gary Woodham, who's also a very successful horse owner. Um, Gary had a medical event, uh, probably best termed as a heart attack, uh, at work on Tuesday. Um, that would be very confronting for the staff at Harness Racing New Zealand, as anybody who's seen that sort of event um, would understand. Uh, Gary has had surgery, he is in hospital, we believe he is improving and we hope he can head home this weekend. But yeah, he, is, he does a lot for the industry, obviously, he's the boss of the joint. Um, the industry is in good hands while he is laid up, but our best thoughts and wishes go out to Gary because, um, yeah, obviously, it's a very stressful job being a racing administrator, so we're, we're saddened to hear he had his event this week. We're glad to hear he is on the improve. And we are hoping to see him back at the races uh, when he feels up to it uh, in the next couple of months. Good on you, Mick. Uh, and uh, we uh, concur with that, our thoughts with uh, Gary as well. So um, that uh, have, a, have a terrific weekend. Um, and uh, as you always remind everybody, um, punt well, punt responsibly. Never bet uh, more than you can afford, Mick. And uh, are the guidelines, um, I would imagine... Um, I would imagine you'll get a bit this weekend. There you go. I, I like that, Quinella. Actually, actually Smithy, I tell you what, I, I don't often say this, but I, for me, a big weekend to be having four bets. Uh, four bets is a biggie for me. Six is massive. I've had three at Alexandra Park tonight, including, for the listeners, and always bet responsibly, race three, number 10, Mystic Max. He's off a handicap. It won't be easy to win. But I think he'll win this. He's around two dollars seventy. If you've got ten dollars spare, chuck it on that. You might be able to buy yourself some fish and chips on Saturday night. Uh, I look forward to that. We usually have them on Sunday, but I can I'll save the money. Uh, cheers, mate.
Have a terrific weekend. <laughs> Have a terrific weekend. Uh, Michael Guerin there. Um, always uh, very, very prevalent over the weekend here on SENZ. As is Staffy uh, on Friday afternoons. What's he got on his show? We shall find out very shortly.